Welcome to the Oil & Gas Elevate podcast. Each week, Sean McCoy and Eric Johnson share real-world case studies of businesses in oil and gas that are successfully navigating the complex environmental, social, and governance landscape. These are the stories that are driving the energy evolution. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Welcome to the Oil and Gas Elevate podcast, part two of our ESG Voices for Young Professionals. Eric, we just got into doing part one. What stood out to you about what we just talked about? My favorite part of talking to Alex and Dean was just to kind of hear their enthusiasm and their desire to get in there and get to work and be a part of something. I think, and I think Alex said this best, there are a lot of headwinds to her wanting to be in this business and people being uninformed and pushing back on her. And, and she has a passion to be in it. I think Dean has a passion to be in it. And they want to be able to tell the great stories. That's really the whole reason this podcast exists. Yeah. And we, we want to get some more voices, which is why we're doing two more. And then we also have it. There's a unique angle with Freddie we're going to talk about. But we also are hoping maybe this is stir something going forward. You know, obviously, there's going to be a heavy, as we first do this around people that are familiar with the industry. But part of this is also they open up the door and the floor to potentially in the future people that we want to have some young professionals on here who aren't maybe as associated with the industry. No, that's right. And, and you think think about you know Alex's own experience at Alabama in a non-traditional oil and gas state and kind of her experience there. Certainly our first episode had a very SEC flavor mm -hmm. to it, but we would love to talk to others around Texas and, and the rest of the world. Just kind of that, you know, the youngins, as I like to say, that are coming <laughs> up and trying to figure this all out and are going to be our future, the future, you know, from a leadership standpoint, the future entrepreneurs, the future of trying to help us solve all these problems. Yeah. Not to be too idealistic, but as you and I both know, being in this industry, we, we meet and be able to visit people all over the world. So obviously we're very centric to where we are. This is where not only the industry, but us, but we'd love to talk to people, you know, kids coming out of Spain, kids coming out of Venezuela, somebody, you know, what, what are they talking about? What do they think as well? So it's really, cause you're gonna end up working with those people as you get older in the industry. Yep, that's right. So as we get started, we're gonna welcome both Courtney and Freddie. So we're gonna talk a little bit about them. So Courtney Gasser is a petroleum engineering major. She's gonna be graduating in 2023. She's a member of the Society of Petroleum Engineers chapter, as well as the secretary of the International Association of Drilling Contractors chapter there at Texas A&M. She's also the webmaster of the Lambda Sigma Honor Society, and she's here courtesy of, of Dean, and he helped us get her in here. So Courtney, we're glad to have you here today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And then Freddie Gorgeous is the CEO and founder of Houston Young Professionals. He's a LinkedIn influencer and he has a BS in business from Sam Houston in 2005. And so if you do the math real quick, as far as young, he's like Eric and I, he's not young. But the reason we brought him on here is because of his connection with Houston Young Professionals and that he's him and I, we're hoping to establish a relationship. We're hoping it's part of this idea of us finding other voices and connecting with this wonderful organization and maybe using this as a conduit to get people in his world who are you know, insurance agents who are coming in that he gets to talk to and we're going to get his viewpoint and then establish a relationship with them and going forward. So we're, we're glad to have him. So thanks, Freddie, for coming on. Sean and Eric, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. So before we, as we asked you both, so Courtney, let's start with you. Like, what did you think when we asked you to say, you know, what was your impression personally, you know, up till now? When you think about the environment, you think about social issues, governance, and the oil and gas industry, what came to mind? 
Well, yeah, Sean, when I think of ESG, I like to think of myself as kind of a little bit of a mix between both Alex and Dean's perspective. In regards to Dean, I'm also a petroleum engineer. And as with Alex, I also kind of grew up surrounded by the sights and sounds of the oil and gas industry since I grew up in Slidell, Louisiana, which is in the outskirts of New Orleans, which is kind of a interesting oil town when you start integrating Shellmet, Louisiana, which is mostly dominated by oil refineries and the ENP business in general. And so me personally, when I think of ESG with environmental, I think of kind of the technicalities and industrial aspects of the industry and how that how the integration of the more progressive climate perspective helps influence the raw technicalities of the industry with social. I more so think of how people outside of the industry perceive us and how the other factors such as the American educational system and other industries help influence the broad perception of oil and gas. And as for governance, I more think of the initiative that it takes to start implementing these changes and say, recognize the need for change and both have the initiative to start producing that change. And as part of kind of a preparation for this to speak on this podcast, I actually polled some of the members of Lambda Sigma Tamu because I know that we take our members from pretty much any major on campus. We have anybody, everybody from animal science to broadcasting and marketing to engineers like myself. And after reviewing the results of those polls, I realized that a lot of the viewpoints on oil and gas are a lot more polarized than you would think. There's really nobody that's in the middle. And that's kind of reflective of how the media tends to portray things as either black or white, right or left, kind of good and evil. And I found a lot of people were either like completely opposed to things like fracking or were saying, no, we don't need any more regulations. The industry needs to just be allowed to kind of independently thrive on its own. And other things like I would asked people about how their personal educational experiences had influenced their perspective on the industry. And some of my members had said that as early as the second and third grade, they were already hearing like horror stories about BP and like the all the Deepwater Horizon spills. I know it'd, it'd probably be a little bit later for them, but they were always just indoctrinated with solely the negative aspects of the industry. And that kind of hinders their overall perception and ability to recognize it for what it is as a very, as basically the lifeline of American civilization and something that empowers people, families like Alex's family, and basically the lifeblood of American excellence and its prestige in the modern era. Somebody did their homework. (laughs) (laughs) Freddie, how about you when ESG comes to mind? What do you think about in regards to the oil and gas industry? Well, I came with a different perspective, now truly a layman's perspective. I'm not in the industry, though I've been living here in Houston for the past 20 plus years, and knowing that it is one of the main core drivers for this economy here. And it's one of the reasons why Texas has done so well throughout the years. And the question that's posed to us is, what do you think about ESG in reference to drilling, extraction, and then the, the corporate perception? And with drilling, you know, I just see it as a way to help facilitate the, the new technologies and new innovations that's coming. It's, it's one of the most interesting industries where there's constantly progression towards innovation new ideas and better way to have less waste in my mind compared to the boom days of when we start drilling oil, you know? So for me, I see it as an opportunity to showcase the positive side of oil and gas. Also on the extraction and usage, you know, there's constantly new ways to find new applications for oil and gas in the world economy. But I think also that 
the reason that we were posed this question is because there's so much a big demand for it. You know, we're putting so much influences on the corporations that are relying it as a revenue source and putting so much emphasis in the governments that relies it as an economic driver. But it's us, the consumers that you know maybe we're the problem. <laughs> maybe it's not the oil and gas companies. Maybe it's not the governments necessarily. You know, when I was asked to review it as a corporate perspective, you know, I think, well, okay, I have no beef against the entrepreneur and the businessman that's pursuing this as a career or the companies that, that's growing and doing explorations. But if we were able to find an alternative energy source or alternative things to satisfy our needs, you know, and again, I, I go back, you know, maybe they're not necessarily the problem. They're just supplying a demand, you know, and I think that's the bigger question. And is it, greenwashing in some ways and some PR, you know, I think, you know, these are smart people running these companies. You no, know, I have no beef if they get a, a healthy compensation for the success of their business because they're also responsible for the failure of that business too as well. And the investments that the stakeholders and stockholders has into it as well. And the prices that we pay at the pump or the prices that we pay for any products that we need that has an old product in it. I think they should be rewarded for that too as well. So I've, I've got no beef against that either. And when I mentioned the greenwashing aspect of it in PR, they're smart people. They know what influences human behavior. And, and as consumers, we want to be smart consumers. We want to feel like we're doing something good. But at the end of the day, you know, we're drilling a hole in the ground or we're fracking and we're causing possible future earthquakes and we're extracting it out of the ocean. And is there a possibility that there's going to be a leak, another BP or that the Galvez in Alaska? Those are risk out there, you know, and I think ESG is just a way to mitigate those risks, you know, because if you say I'm not doing anything and something happens, you're 100% at fault. And this is probably a way to mitigate that risk and put a little stop loss on the bleeding that will come if something bad does happen. I love both of those insights. And you're right. They both came prepared. Definitely did their homework. Um, Definitely appreciate that. One of the things, Sean, that you and I talk about every once in a while is this, this idea that your economy is energy. It is the choke point on everything. And so if you don't have sufficient energy to power all the businesses and power everything, it doesn't work. And I think we kind of hit on that just now. It's like, hey, we need a whole lot of energy. Kind of the consumerism angle that you talked a little bit about, Freddie. We need a whole lot of energy. And how are we going to get there? What are we going to do with that? So we, we asked y'all to watch or listen to two episodes. The first one is the, actually the very first episode that we ever did, HPE our sponsor, and Texmark's Refinery of the Future. So Courtney, just your thoughts after listening to that episode, kind of what went on at Texmark and what you th thought about that? I thought that the Texmark Refinery episode was very innovative and inspiring from a petroleum engineering standpoint, at least, because it kind of introduced me to almost the chemical engineering side of it, too, with the refineries and everything. So I found it very informative. But as far as Texmark, I think that it's very interesting how they're able to start integrating OT and IT and create something that's basically going to be can potentially change the landscape of oil and gas production and refining for future generations to come. And I thought that it was particularly interesting how the companies that were involved and the product, the scale of the production as a whole was so small, only approximately 40 employees, I think that y'all had said, and how that's kind of serving as a model for bigger corporations with more general kind of ESG goals like Shell and BP, how they're actually looking to this very small operation as kind of a baseline model for their future endeavors. And I just thought that that was really inspirational. And I thought that it was impressive that they were able to not only have the foresight to 
plan, but also the initiative to realize that and kind of have it come to fruition in a physical sense. Because I know that a lot of the CBT people and the HPE people and IoT, everybody was like, this is incredible that we're actually able to not only talk about it in a conceptual sense, but to actually produce it and see the real real time returns of it and all of the successes that it's created and that know that this is actually something that's feasible that can be instituted on a larger scale, hopefully in the future. What you just described was my favorite part of that story. I think a lot of people think that's a tech story, mm-hmm. and it is. There's some really cool tech that we got to see, but it's really a G story. It's really a governance story. It's really, it's really a mom and pop, for lack of a better word, deciding to take the steps. And, and there were some external forces that kind of pushed mm-hmm. in that direction, but yep. they decided to take the risk to take the steps to be a leader in the space. And I mean, according to exactly what you said, the fact that there are multi, multi, multi-billion dollar companies rolling through there frequently to see what's being done and how it's being done and to be inspired by the little mom and pop is pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think you cued in on the, on the comprehensive aspect of it that it took more than just, I mean, HP was a part of it, CBT was a part of it. And as we right. know, you know, 20 something companies doing all this in an area that was seven and a half acres in the middle of Galena Park, in the middle of all those refineries, here's this amazing story of the little guy, the little person, I should say, who's doing what, and that the big companies are going, and to what we always talk about. Hopefully, it made them think, well, why, why can't, look at what you're saying, Courtney, we should be doing this. Why can't we doing this? Why can't we do this? Freddie, for you, what would you take away from the Mark episode? You know, I thought it was very interesting on how it started. You know, I'm always interested on in human behavior and our motivations, you know, and so, to me, what I drilled in straight in was what was his motivation of getting this new technology? And it was because his premiums were not able to be renewed at a favorable rate. And his broker says, Hey, you got an issue here. You know, what do you, what, how are we going to solve this? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the outcome was a very positive outcome, regardless of what the motivation was. And so it's very interesting, you know, the path that we go down that leads us to success stories. And so with that in mind, you know, searching around and identifying, well, you know, are we facing safety issues? Are we facing efficiency issues? Are we facing just logistic issues of operations on our site? And because of those reasons that we're not able to renew our premium insurance at a favorable premium. And so they sought out outside technology on what they could do to make their workforce better and their environment better. And I got a chance to learn about edge workers. You know, I never knew about that term. And they're so important part of the community. And, you know, just realizing that the technology that they were seeking out, there wasn't much training on it. You know, these schools and trade schools here, they're not offering that this kind of information, you know. So I think there's other needs that's been identified too as well. I learned, you know, about the different logistics they had to go through just to troubleshoot on getting the Internet of Things, IoT, you know, I learned about that word. I learned about augmentation reality on this application of, you know, providing the direct services for the edge workers on either training them or helping them troubleshoot through problems or how to identify if, if something is not right on the systems and process or assembly line or the refinery where they're at based upon the augmentation that they can wear wearable technology and also the tablets that they can have and say, okay, this seems to be out of place because... I've got a little widget here that's telling me something is not right. You know, so I found all that very interesting and just the collaboration, like you said, of different specialists, you know, and, and we're all specialists in a certain trade skill. You know, I take LinkedIn marketing as for granted, you know, I breathe it in. You do podcasting for granted, you know, and so it was very nice to see 
the collaboration and the cohesiveness of these different parties coming together to solve this one problem, such as the providing land wire or providing Wi-Fi, and then having these reflective containers or buildings and, and how that affected the way they went through the process of delivering the information and extracting the data and providing data back and forth. Yeah. I'm so impressed, to be honest with you, that you caught that about the premium part. And, and so I want to dive into that because I think what you can bring a little bit of an angle on is we forget sometimes we see Texmark and we see Shell and we just think, you know, or a big law firm and we think, oh, they just, you know, they don't ever have to worry about bills. They, you know, they're just rolling in the money. But it's small business operate the same way big, big business does, which is, yeah, I didn't, maybe you're doing your business plan. Like I didn't account for this cost. That's what kills a business small or big. So can you talk a little bit about how, why that resonated with you around that premium driving you? Because you really do understand from your HYP background and the people that you talk to on a daily basis, that was one, that one cost can put you out, put you under as a company. Well, and again, they're so important with the having community around you and having wise counsel around you, because either you're going to experience a problem firsthand and you've got to figure out the solution by yourself. Or, and again, just like this episode that you shared with us, the collaboration of bringing other outside counsel in to get that advice and get the ideas and to troubleshoot, to find more efficient and better ways. And you're right, with a small and pop operation, it just takes this one little hiccup to bring it down. You know, they're not running on these big profits like these Fortune 100 corporations, you know. They're running on small, thin margins, you know. One lawsuit can bring them down, you know, so... It's so important to, in this respect here, look on the the safety issues, operations issues, efficiency issues, and to identify, you know, where they're not hitting the mark or where they can do better. You know, so they may be doing good, but can they do better? Right. I wanted to say, I've talked to other people about that episode, and much like Freddie, they came away with one of the same kind of recognitions was like, hey, everybody, there's a lot of people that want to badmouth capitalism or return on investment or economics or whatnot. But that's literally what spurred Texmark's management team and ownership to action. It's literally what got them to move to make their facility a safer place, a better place, a cleaner place, and a more efficient place, right? So it literally, for all of their stakeholders, from community to employees to their own stockholders, their own owners, it was an improvement. And it was all driven by economics, looking at the bottom line, say, hey, we need to do some things to make ourselves more compatible, more competitive, more efficient. Right. And so it's not always a negative. Sometimes that spurs action in a positive direction. Well, and when they look back to as well, they were able to do a deep dive analysis of new ways they were able to use this augmented reality, use this new technology. I forgot the gentleman's name. I don't know if it was Pedro or Philip. Uh, Carlos. 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 You know, we're still waiting on the call from Carlos. Yeah, we haven't heard from Carlos yet. You know, feelings are hurt. Where he was able to use his, his helmet technology to free his hands to take pictures of the seal of the containers to verify for the company that it was sealed when it left our building. So, and then looking back and identifying, well, how much time did that save Carlos? You know, how much time did that save the company? And just really driving back down to the RII and really identifying, but they weren't able, they were not able to do that looking forward. They were only able to do that looking backwards, you know? So there's a lot of good things that this new technology can come up with. Yeah. And to your point, Eric, it's, so they used that as the impetus to start, but while they were there, they were able to then dive a little bit deeper in addition to that that problem and, and look at the E side, look at the S side, and, and then take advantage of that opportunity as well, which I think Doug Smith and Linda Salinas. So the other thing we actually listened to was the ABB Equinor one about offshore wind. 
Courtney, tell us, what was your takeaway from, the, from that episode? Well, of course, coming from a petroleum engineering background and being honestly surrounded by the oil industry for most of my life, I kind of start thinking that oil and gas is the only way to go, that that's kind of the only solution. And you kind of grow up in this sort of bubble that that's the only viable source of energy that you can ever see the world being powered off of, basically. And I thought that this kind of wind renewable energy perspective was really eye opening in the sense that they basically it was basically more me listening to it was basically the podcast proving to me that there are alternative forms of energy and there are other things out there that can potentially be harnessed to provide an equivalent source of energy that oil and gas can. And me personally, when I picture a windmill, I think of something on land that's kind of transient and not necessarily the best producer of reliable energy. But then when you start thinking about this massive platform that's full of windmills that can be pretty much continuously reaping the benefits of the wind, of the nearly constant wind that flows over our world's oceans and waterways, it really kind of changes your perspective and says, hey, maybe there's something else out there that can be harnessed to provide the energy of the future, basically. So, so Fred, when you, a great answer, by the way, when you, when you talk to a lot of the people you are connected with through HYP, when it comes to like renewables, alternative energy sources like that, do you find that it's pretty much a consensus that everybody's like, that's the answer to everything? Or do you, do you get much in terms of the small, I mean, kind of what's the atmosphere like from, uh, in terms of the people you come in contact with? Well, you know, I think there's a little bit of through the media, because you have to look at how are these people being educated, first of all, how are they being informed? Now, are they being indoctrinated through our universities or are they being educated and being forced and pushed to think for themselves? Are they just watching the news? What news are they watching? You know, so I think there's a little bit of brainwashing going on out there too as well. I think, you know, a lot of these windmill alternative energies, solar and wind, you know, they're, they're big industries too as well, just like the oil and gas industries. They have their own agenda. You know, everybody's saying they're right, that they're doing, they have the best source, best solution. But I still, you know, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I, th- I still think there's probably better other sources out there that maybe haven't been discovered that's, that's been hidden from us. And or, you know, maybe there's a individual consumer aspect that we can take. And again, I go to consumerism, you know, the only reason there's a demand so supply there is because of, of our demand. So the general consensus, you know, I think, you know, for most part, people would like to think that there's an alternative source other than oil and gas. Is wind and solar it? They are part of the solution. They're not the in all be all. I think that's probably my biggest takeaway from that whole episode was the vision of all the parties to say, hey, we can partnership, you know, to exactly what Courtney just said, the wind doesn't stop blowing out there and we can power these offshore platforms to a significant degree. And, and it is not only great for the environment, but there's actual real ROI. There's actual return to all the parties in that, in that particular setup. So there's a partnership. You know, I always say there's a lot of tools in the toolbox. We're going to have to use all of them. So we need to work together. At Texas A&M, I want to get your thoughts. When, when we think about, you know, coming from a school right smack dab in the middle of the Texas and, and considered very traditional, when we think about partnership, when we think about all the new tech and the new energy sources kind of what's the feel on campus around that you, you see, i think you used the word polarized earlier everybody's there's nobody sitting in the middle of the room everybody's on the other side of the room staring at each other but just wanted to get your thoughts on partnership and how do we build partnership where where do you know you did your polls and you got your answers but how do we 
starting in the 18 to 22 year old crowd, how do we start to build a partnership mentality rather than this antagonist mentality? Wanted to get your thoughts on that. I mean, I think that the answer is definitely starting with renewables like the wind farm that we had witnessed. And I know that when I was, at least when I was polling my members, a major concern about the oil and gas industry was the long-term sustainability of it in terms of job stability. And I know that the industry is constantly fluctuating. You can never really predict how it's going to go. And the concern of layoffs and, and what that means for the American economy as a whole. And I know that with the windmill scenario that's going to be providing a bunch of jobs and it's going to be very helpful for the american economy as a whole because the windmill it's not just some like little thing that you build it's actually a massive engineering conglomerate that's located off the coast of norway so it's something that can that has the potential to provide thousands of jobs and produce millions and billions in revenue. And I think that part of the idea of bridging the gap and kind of opening the oil industry to more, making it more reachable and giving opening other people's minds to it, that really starts with the idea of integrating other energy sources and kind of showing that there is a way forward, there is a way that we can provide the sustainability and it all starts with integrating renewables and integrating alternate energy sources that can provide jobs and provide the stability that we need during those necessary downturns of the oil and gas industry. Freddie, you deal with a lot of people, different age groups, different industries, different businesses. To Eric's question, what can we do to be more complementary rather than antagonistic around this issue? Oh, that's a big question, right? You know, if I had that answer. Just wrap that up if you can. (laughs) You got five seconds. Mm -hmm. What can you do to be more complementary to alternative energy? Well, just, I mean, just, you know, like somebody owns an insurance agency Mm -hmm. or they're a mark, you know, a digital marketer that's in the HYP. If they have an anti, you know, industry, anti oil and gas kind of sentiment, somebody in in the same group is part of the oil and gas industry without trying to make it to something where they have to now think like we do, but how do we, as you manage these different people mm-hmm. in different industries, kind of what have you seen that kind of help that helps, helps Help make bridge that, that. palatable. Yeah. Sure. You know, and, and again, you know, you go back to community and it's just being able to be respectful towards the other opposite opinion. You know, everybody comes in with a preset determination, just like I did before I got on this podcast of the ESG ideology. And just to be able to share that information, but to also to be able to, to back it up with facts and, and information. And I think, you know, just being able to, to share openly, look at multiple different sources of information that are available, not just one news channel or one industry. Everybody is not necessarily out to get you, but they're definitely out for themselves. So, you know, take that information from the source too as well and just be open-minded and you don't always have to be right and you know the other person doesn't always have to be wrong and you could just maybe also focus on what does combine you what does bring you together you know i've got a lot of friends that are the opposite political party side of i am and other organizations that runs their group and i'm not in competition with them i'm just a human just like them and i want to make my space around me better and want the space around them to be better as well so if you come up with that mindset i think you know we all can work together sounds great any last words my friend Another great episode. I, I love hearing the voices. I will point out one thing that Courtney went back to at the end, and it's workforce. And you think about the next generation, and what they're worried about is I want to have a job, and I want to be able to start a family, provide for a family. I want to be able to put food on the table. I want to be proud of what I do and where I do it. And 
you know, I do think the partnership path is that path. There's no way that the single tool in the toolbox can get the job done. So I did enjoy that little wrap up. And I think that's probably the most important, probably the most important issue. And I think even, even Alex mentioned that as well in the, in the prior episode, right? You kind of think of that 18 to 22 year old crowd. That's what they're worried about. Yeah. So consider this a formal invitation to coordinate to your friends there at the, in your, in, in Lambda Sigma Honor Society. If they listen to this, consider this an invitation if they want to come on and give them a chance to, to give their opinion around something like this. And of course, Freddie with HYP, anybody out there that, that on that side, if it open invitation, because we don't want to just have only gas voices. So thank you both for coming on and being a part of that and representing this and taking the time to do this. We're very appreciative. Thank you so much. Yes, and thank you so much. You're welcome. And one last thing before we wrap up, Courtney, let's talk a little bit about, you asked us to promote something you're doing socially with your with Texas AM. Tell us a little bit about what's going on and what you'd like to tell the listeners about. Well, with the Lambda Sigma Honor Society, every year, we're, we're a sophomore honor society and membership is only for sophomores, of course. And so once we become juniors, our membership doesn't expire. We become alumni. And so for my sophomore class, our main service, our Keystone Service Project is raising money for a school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area called Harvest Christian Academy. And they're being forced out of their current educational facility. And of course, they're being forced to relocate. And we're trying to help raise money for them to afford the cost of moving and the cost of rent in their new to be determined location. And of course, we've done several things like fundraising with candy grams, game nights, that kind of stuff. And we've also and with that, we haven't really been able to reach our goal so far. We have a goal of $5,000 approximately that we're trying to raise. And of course, if any listeners would like to donate or contribute to our cause, that would be greatly appreciated. And I will make sure to share the GoFundMe link in the podcast notes if anybody is interested or inclined to donate. So thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. And anybody out there will come through us as well, you know, to get a hold of us if you can't find her. And this is part of that ESG bucket, right? This is part of that. And I think it's one of the big areas going forward that we're going to have to figure out because corporate philanthropy is a big part of it. But how do we do that in such a way that's effective and actually benefits all as far as that goes? But thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that a big takeaway from some of the podcasts that we listened to was things, grassroots movements and organizations can be some of the most productive, inspiring and groundbreaking things for future generations. Like we saw with the Textmark Refinery, starting with a mere 40 people operation and growing into something that Shell, BP, Exxon, Chevron, all those big super majors are now trying to emulate. And so I think that by starting with a kind of grassroots fund that we can actually create this into something big, something beautiful, something that can be emulated in the future by other potentially people who are in trouble or people who need help. So I hope that this is a good starting point for the growth of something that's bigger, better, and can be used to help raise awareness for the plight of other schools and campuses in the Texas area. Love it. Thank you so much. Love the passion. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. With that, we'll, we'll get with you all next week. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for May 2021. This month, we have four events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our online events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is 20YPO's Networking Mixer at the Houston Club on May 25th. Next, we have our three online events, the Post-Industrial Summit Series from May 4th to June 22nd, the Data Fabric and Data Ops webinar on May 5th, and the Maritime Career Day hosted by Women Offshore on May 21st. 
Other than these events, OGDN has a live stream this month titled Identifying and Evaluating Advantage Oil Projects on May 5th. So make sure to check that out on our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information. You can also find more information about that or any of the live streams or events we have coming up also on Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for May. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. On behalf of the Elevate podcast team, thank you so much for clicking play and bringing to life these amazing stories. We hope this elevated your perspective and serves you well as you navigate understanding ESG and the energy evolution. We are so grateful for your time and kindly ask that you rate and review the show on Apple iTunes, which is a great way to help us grow. The best way to support the work we are doing is to tell a friend about it, ask them to listen, and share with others what you've learned from listening to our guests. Lastly, we want to invite you to reach out to us for any comments, suggestions, or just to connect. You can do that through my email, sean.mccoy at oggn.com. I'd love to hear from you and what you think of our podcast. Be safe, and we look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Ha!